Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. I want to welcome everybody into my home, Gospel Saving Church here in McKinney, Texas, right out of our home. And I want to welcome everybody from SoundCloud and YouTube coming from all over the world. Welcome, because you're welcome in my home. You are in my home. That's how I consider you. You're in my home, just like the people sitting in my house, just like my congregation here. You're my congregation as well, too. So praise be to God and welcome. And I, and I want to give a special warm welcome today, of course, because today is just not any day here in America. Today is just not just another Sunday that we're going along and we're just going to just mundane along the day and trudge through the day. Today is no special day. Today is the day I want to welcome everybody to our resurrection service 2014. Jesus is risen. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Jesus is risen. The title of this week's sermon is The Resurrection of Jesus Christ, Yet Still in Vain They Worship Me. We have kind of a two-part message today. So if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, and then we'll get to our section in the Bible, and I've got some, a lot of speaking to do. So you guys want to join me in a word of prayer? Let's lift up the name of Jesus and ask God to bless our message today. Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for bringing us here today, Lord God, this special day, Lord God. This day when I, Lord, and, and all other true Christians all over the world, Lord God, are going are to lift up your name, Lord Jesus, and we're going to proclaim your name, Lord, and we're going to just worship you, Lord God. And unfortunately, many will do it in vain, but Lord, we still, maybe a lot do it in ignorance, I hope, Lord, I... I just, Lord, I myself and, and I want my family and my, my true brother and Lord God to worship you in, in spirit and truth, Lord, and not in vain. And Lord, we here at Gospel Saving Church, Lord God, you know we worship you in spirit and truth, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord, that today is the day that you cracked the grave. You, it couldn't hold you, Lord. It couldn't hold you, Lord, for death could not bind you, Lord. You are greater than death. Lord, and you rose from that grave and you conquered death, Lord God, and sin, and you rose up and, and defeated all our enemies, Lord God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much that we get to come together today, Lord God, and worship you. Lord, and we just pray that you would be honored by this service, Lord God. I pray again, Lord God, that you would get this message, Lord, to the whole world, Lord, and, and especially to America. I pray, Lord God, that somehow, some way, Lord God, you'd make this message just spread like wildfire, Lord God, all over, Lord, because people just need to hear the truth that you have to pour out in your word today. Lord, we love you and we praise you, dear God. Please bless it. Bless the service. Bless our minds. Bless our hearts. Lord, may we not be those that just hear, Lord, but may we be those that hear and do, Lord, it is, it, as it is not just the hearers alone that are blessed, Lord God, but it's the doers that are blessed, Lord God. Those that do your will, Father God, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Those that do the will of the Father shall enter the, heaven, enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Lord God, and praise you and bless you, Lord. Keep that devil out, Lord God, and I pray that you would wreck what he's done here in America, Lord God, his power and his evil that he spread here in America, Lord, especially in your church. And I pray, dear God, that you would foil all his plans, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that you would bring truth to the world today. We love you and we praise you, dear God, and thank you for all that you've done for us and that you continue to do for us every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you guys want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15? I'm not going to read it just yet. I'm going to read it on the back half of the message. So Matthew chapter 15, if you want to go there and if you want to hang out there, we'll be in chapter, or chapter 15 verses 1 through 9 again, as we were last week. 
uh, that we studied our last week's message. We're going to do the over the same verses, but uh, we're going to do a little application this week. We're going to show some things out of the scripture today that apply to us today. So Matthew 15, 1 through 9, but I'm not going to read them right now. And so I just have some things to say before I start, you know, some truths that God has given me this week. So I just want to talk about, first of all, how great and glorious it is that we get to gather together today to worship the risen Lord Jesus Christ. For he's not dead like the way of all the earth, like normal people, like every other person on the planet. Our death rate on our planet, there's only been two, there's only been out of all the people that have ever lived on the planet, there's only been two that have ever not died. And those would be Elijah and Enoch are the only two that never really died. So out of all the billions of people that ever lived in the world, everybody that's ever lived from Adam to the person that just died right now, because people are dying like every few seconds, that's what the statistic is. Every person that's ever lived on the face of the planet has died. And Jesus, including, has died. And we'll talk about that later. But he's not still dead. He rose. And we don't have to be quiet about that. We can get excited about that. We can praise God that we don't worship a, a dead God, a, a false God. We can praise God that we worship a risen Lord. So I'm just so thankful that we get to come together today and worship God Almighty, the one true God of all heaven and earth. For there's only one, the Bible declares. There's not many. There's not hundreds. There's not thousands. There's not hundreds of millions, as the Hindu religion claims. There's, there's only one God, only one true, awesome, mighty God. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Yahweh, the great I am. There's only one true God. And we stand here today and we have the ability to worship that great king of ours. Because, as I said already, and you're gonna say this, you're gonna hear me say this a few times, because I'm just so excited. I'm I just feel like a schoolboy right now. I'm just so bubbly. He is risen indeed, amen. Amen. He's risen. Think about that. He's risen. Praise be to God. God's not dead. Amen. For he is risen. And we, and you and me and anybody all over the face of the planet, we can worship a risen Lord Jesus Christ. He's alive and not dead. Amen. Amen. Praise God. As I said earlier, Jesus is also the founder of the Christian faith. You know, there was no Christian faith before Jesus Christ came. It was Judaism and then Jesus Christ. The, the Pharisees considered that he had like a sect. He, he just had a sect. He wasn't, you know, he was just some guy teaching a new way, they thought. But until he died, until he came, until he died and, and stamped the seal of what he did with his death and then rose, there was no such thing as a Christian. There was no such thing as Christianity. So he is the founder of of Christendom, of Christianity, of the faith or religion of Christianity. And he's not dead like, you know, God showed me that this week as I was studying for this message. He's not a dead founder. For instance, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's 22 major religions in the world today. I'm not going to list them all off, but there's 22 major religions. There's lots more than just 22, but there's 22 like major world religions. And for instance, I'm just going to name off a few here. But Christ is not dead like Muhammad. 
the founder of Islam, he died and he's still dead. The founder of Mormonism, which is a copycat, fake, so-called Christian religion, he's dead. Joseph Smith, he died. He's dead. Buddhism, what they call him Buddha, but his real name is Siddhara Gautama, dead. All of these guys, dead. Judaism, even God's own religion, his first religion that Christ completed and finished with Christianity, even Judaism, the founder of Judaism, uh, Abraham slash Moses, dead. They're both dead. They went to the earth and they died. And they're both dead. Hinduism. It was unknown who created Hinduism. It was Satan, of course, for sure, with hundreds of millions of gods, but we know Satan's dead. Satan's dead in sin. Uh, Sikhism. A guru Nanak. Taoism, Lao Tzu, and the Baha'i faith. It's another false faith. Baha'i faith would be Baha'u'llah. And they're all dead. All these have one common thing in their false, or actually two common things in their false religion. Number one, they all created a false religion. Every single one of them created a false religion, a false way to God. And they all also have another thing in common. They all died, as I said already. They're all dead. They're all buried. They all went into graves in this earth and they covered them up with earth and they're still dead today. Their bones or their ashes are still part of this earth. They are dead. The founders of these false religions are all dead on this very earth today. And as I said earlier, Christ, he also died once too. But as I said earlier, the grave could not hold him like Muhammad and Bahula, or uh, I can't remember his name, and Bahula and Lazi and Guru Nanak and Moses and Buddha and Joseph Smith. The grave could not hold Jesus Christ. For the Bible declares that he is risen. He rose up. He conquered death. He conquered sin. And he ought to be praised for that. For he wasn't just another mere man that just brought us just another mere way to God. He was God in the flesh. And because of that, and because of who he was, and because of what he came to do, the grave and death, he conquered it. And he rose. He rose up. Paul writes about it in Romans 6, 9 through 10. He says, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Hallelujah. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Paul declaring, what Christ did. And just in case you're out there and you're wondering, and you may say, oh, yeah, you know, Pastor Red, Paul's really the one that started the Christian faith. Because, you know, Paul's the one that came up with this Jesus Christ, you know, died for the sins. Because I read an article this, this as I was studying for this message, and somebody actually had the guts to say that Paul was the creator of the Christian faith. And that Paul's the one that, you know, wasn't, didn't really walk with Jesus. And so he, he, how could he really know what Jesus did anyway? And so in case that's you out there, in case you're thinking, well, didn't Paul, you know, he didn't really walk with Jesus, how would he really, really, really know that, you know, Jesus did that? Just in case you're wondering, 
We also have Peter that preached the same thing on the day of Pentecost. And we know by historical fact that Peter, a disciple of Christ, Simon Peter, actually did walk with Jesus Christ. And he actually did see Christ die on the cross. And then he was at the empty tomb on Sunday morning when Christ had risen from the dead and Peter saw the empty tomb. And Peter writes in Acts 20, or 2, 22-24, speaking in this great sermon that he gave in Jerusalem where several thousand men got saved. He said, men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. That's right, because he saw it. He was there. He saw the Christ die on the cross. He saw it. He stood afar off, but he saw it. Jesus breathed his last. He saw it. You have crucified him, he said, and put him to death. Verse 24, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. You see, so Peter attests, as Paul said, that death and, and the grave could not hold our mighty king. Death could not hold Jesus Christ, for he was greater than death. He was greater. He is greater, and he is greater than sin, and he is greater than death. Still to this very day, he's still greater. And why did he do it all? Well, that's the gospel. That's what we can never forget. Why did he do it all? Because he wanted us. He wanted mankind. He wanted to pour out his love upon us. He wanted to do it so that we could not have to have death as our enemy either. He wanted to do it so that we could accept and receive the gift of God and not have to die either. His desire is that we come to have this power over death and live forever just like he did. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In, can't be in no eternal life without unless you're in, eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Wow! Wow! Wow, is that not exciting? I think it's exciting. We no longer have to die. Everybody dies in the flesh. But death is not our enemy anymore. If you've turned to Christ and you've turned to Him and you've surrendered to Him and His life is, or your life is in His hands, you no longer have to fear death anymore. It's a promise for the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, you don't have to fear death anymore. You don't have to fear death. You don't know what happens to me when I die because you know I've been heard it called the revolving door. If you're in Christ, then when you die, you lay down your head, you die, you breathe your last, and the next moment you know you're standing before God, and he's going, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. And you're with him forever. And you get to be with him forever if you're in Christ Jesus. You don't have to fear death anymore. Praise be to God. Isn't that awesome news? Amen? amen. Yes or not? Amen. Can I hear you? Amen? Please. That's awesome news. That is, that's better than awesome news. That, could you win the lottery? Could, could a lottery, let's say you win the lottery tomorrow, $20 billion. Well, then 20 years from now, 50 years from now, 70 years from now, you're going to die. 
And the money that you gained in that lottery, you, you can't take it with you. It's gone. It stays back here with the flesh. You go on in the spirit and you move on. You can't take it with you. But this gift of God that he gave here, this gift of God goes on for all eternity. Forever. You can have peace with God and have everlasting life, eternal life in Christ Jesus. <laughs> and believe it or not, God is so good and he loves us so much. Guess what? We can even prove that Christ rose from the dead. We can prove that Christ Jesus rose from the dead. That's how much God loves us. He gave us proof that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You say, how do we know for sure that Christ really cracked that grave and rose up and conquered sin and death, Pastor Ed? You can't tell me that there's real proof for that. I can tell you that we absolutely do have real proof for that. There are actually many, but for just for time's sake, because I could actually speak on what I'm speaking on now for all day long. But just for time's sake, I just got a couple for you. Just a couple proofs. You see, when Christ rose, he died. Lots of people saw him die. But then when he rose up, he started revealing himself and he started showing up in his resurrected body all over town, all over everywhere. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians 15 and he gets into it, really gets into it in 6. When 6 is where our proof is. But all 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 speaks about how when Christ rose, he started for this amount of days, he came around and he started revealing himself to this person and that person. All those whom God chose, he started revealing himself so that they were like, whoa, all right, wow, he is risen. All right, praise God, he is risen. But then in 15.6, Paul states that after Christ was killed and buried, and then he was seen alive again by guess what? By guess how many? by over 500 people all at one time. So over 500 people after Christ rose from the dead saw him all at one time standing right there in the midst of them all at one time. And at the time Paul writes the letter, he tells us in 15.6 that many of which are whom were still alive. Only a few had fallen asleep or died. And what does that mean? It means that when Paul wrote this letter, that many of the people that were still in that group of 500 that saw Christ alive and, and after he had died, many of them were still alive. What that means is their culture. Their culture is a huge part. Because if, if that really didn't happen and Paul wrote that down, somebody would have called it out. Somebody would have wrote something that said, no, 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 that's not true. That's a lie. No, no, that never happened. 500 people really didn't see Jesus Christ alive. There's no way. You're lying. But guess what history shows us? We don't have that article. We don't have that paper because it's not true. Because he really did show himself to 500 people all at once. Now, modern skeptics say, well, that's not true, Pastor Ed. You, you can't really claim that. But I beg to differ because our modern psychologists will tell you, you can ask any psychologist, it's impossible for any 500 people, for that amount of people, to have the same delusion all at one time. It's impossible. Some people may see, think they see something or have a delusion of this or have a delusion of that, but not all at one time and not that many people. So modern skeptic, you're wrong. Because 500 people plus did see him and nobody, nobody tore down the argument back in Paul's day. 
And our modern psychologists tell us today that yes, over 500 people, it's impossible. That couldn't have been something that was just individual. They all saw it and they all saw the same thing. It was absolutely an absolute fact. That's number one fact of Christ really did rise from the dead. That's our number one proof. Our number two is the fact that the disciples, we got, we got a big key in the disciples. We got a couple keys in the disciples, actually two big keys in the disciples. You ready? Here's our big major proof from the disciples. The disciples were mere men, just like me and you. And when Christ died, what happened was, is they got really scared. It's recorded right in the Bible. They all fleed for their lives. Fled, excuse me. They all fled for their lives. They were all scared little chickens. And they ran off and they scampered back home. Oh, our, our master's dead. We got to go hide. And we read about them locked in rooms and things like that. And so they all fled. They were all scared to death because their master, the one whom the Pharisees were really afraid of, he was dead. So now they're not protected anymore. And so now the Romans and the Jewish leaders could have really easily gone and taken the disciples and wiped them out easily. There were only 11 men. Judas killed himself. So they fled for their lives. Yet, proof of the resurrection. After Christ rose from the dead, he revealed himself to them. And then all out of a sudden, out of nowhere, they became as mighty and strong and bold as lions. They couldn't be kept quiet even by threat of death, punishment, torture, nothing. They couldn't be, they, they could, nobody could keep them silent. They just went out there and to the end of what, how that ended was they became so bold as lions as they all, 10 out of 12 of them, died being murdered or martyred would be the fancier term, for their belief that Jesus Christ was who he said he was and that he did raise and that he was the son of God and that he did conquer sin and death and that whole everything we believe today as a Christian church. All they had to do in every single instance when they were confronted was deny the fact that Christ had done what he did and they would have all been set free. Yet history, proof outside of the Bible, tells us that 10 out of 12 of them died by martyrs or murderers' death. Every single solitary one of them. And you'd say, well, Pastor Ed, Muslims die for Islam all the time and they're still dying for Islam all the time. But you see, there's a difference. Because Muslims, they call it jihad and they're going on them, they're blowing themselves up, they're murdering themselves, they're going to war themselves. The disciples and followers of Christ, they didn't go out fighting. People went out fighting them, and they all gave them a chance to back down. Everybody gave them a chance to back down. The murderers all gave the disciples a chance to back down. But guess what? As given the chance to back down, they stuck firm to their guns, and they said, no way. We believe that this happened. We're going to die. Go ahead and kill us. And then they died. And let me tell you something. The disciples were with them almost every day for three and a half years. If Christ would have been a fraud and he would have just been some magic man, some magic worker, then the disciples certainly would have known it before anybody else would have. But if he was the real deal and he did do the miracles from God, like he said, like the Bible says that he does, then the disciples dying for him would make sense. But if he was just a magic man and then he wasn't really who he said he was and he was some fraud, the disciples would have never gotten as bold as they did and they never would have gone to their deaths 
dying for a fraud that they willfully knew was a fraud because Jesus couldn't have kept hidden that he was a fraud. They were with him every day for almost three and a half years. So two or three major proofs there for you that yes, God loves us so much. He gave us proof of this event. God, he just wants everybody to know the truth. The truth is out there. Are you willing to receive it? Am I willing to receive it? God's truth is out there. God gives us so much proof, so much truth. But will we receive it or will we harden our hearts like the Pharisees did? Here we're about to read it. And praise be to God again that we get to celebrate the risen Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Christ, this event, this factual, actual, historical, provable historical event that actually happened. Amen. Praise be to God. I personally believe that we should all get into the habit Every real Christian out there, everybody that's really a worshiper of God, to really remember this resurrection, remember what Christ did for us every day. But you know, I forget. I'm a man. I know just like you are men and women out there, and, and I know we forget. So thanks be to God that he gives us these special days that helps us bring us back to our roots. And then maybe today, we can start today then. Maybe today we'll start today, and then tomorrow, and every day till the day we die, remembering the power and the proof and the awesomeness that God loves us so much that he paid a high price for us and that he, he rose from the dead, defeating sin and death, and that we can have new life if we're in Christ Jesus. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. Now, second part of message. Second part. It's not quite as uplifting. I mean, because that was some awesome news. You, you really, you can't get any better news than the news that I just gave, amen? amen? I mean, there's no better news than anybody could give you in this whole world ever. Till the day you die, to, to hear God when you get there at the doors, when you get there, stand in front of God, to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant, entrance to joy of the Lord. There's no better news ever in that Christ made that all possible by his resurrection. There's no better news. <clears throat> Along with all the real life proof that we gave to back it up, it's hard to see it's hard really to see why anybody would want to change that. I mean, is that not the most exciting news that you've ever heard? I know it is for me. So why would anybody why, you know, want to change that news? I mean, there's hope upon hope upon hope upon hope upon hope in the news that I just gave you. I mean, there, hope is oozing from the seams of everything I just told you. Oozing. It, it just, the ball that holds the hope can't hold the hope. It's just exploding out of the hope. So with all that hope that's in what I just told you, why would anybody want to change the news that I just gave you? Paul said if the resurrection wouldn't have happened, we of Christians, we of type people as Christians would be bigger fools than anybody else. Why? Because we would be worshiping a false doctrine, a false god. But he said it's not false, and that's why I do what I do. And Paul was martyred for his faith in Christ by Nero in, about, in, the, in the 60s AD. So Paul believed it enough to die for Christ as the risen Lord. Now, I can see maybe Satan. Sure, who, who would be a likely candidate? Satan, right? Satan would definitely want to change that news. Could you see that? Absolutely. I mean, why does he want people to have hope? I mean, come on. Really? What does he want? He wants everybody to go to hell and burn there forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. He doesn't want you or me or anybody in the face of the planet to know what I just told you just there. 
And boy, I faced some terrible things when I was preparing for this message. Boy, he did not want me to speak these truths today. I'm telling you what right now, it's God's honest truth. So we could see Satan absolutely wanting to change this great news that I just gave you. But who else, who else can you think of? Just think in your mind, you know, maybe those that follow Satan, okay, that's number two. But who else would would want to change that good news, that amazing, awesome news that God just gave us just now. Who, who else? Are, are you thinking? Are you thinking? Possibly? Because sadly, there is someone else that's wanted to change this news. And it's actually going on in America right now, all over the place. This great news that I just gave you. Has being, is being changed all over the United States of America. And I'm not sure, maybe all over the world. See, our second part of our message is titled, Yet Still in Vain They Worship Me. Because sadly, this great news has been changed not by Satan, but, okay, hold on. Let's read Matthew 15, 1 through 9. And let's see, let's see who changed the good news back here in Matthew 15, 1 through 9. I'm going to skim it over. I'm going to hit it just a couple high parts. Matthew 15, 1 through 9. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now notice who came to Jesus. It, this wasn't the heathen. This wasn't the tax collector. This wasn't the hater of God, this, the, the professional atheist, the professing atheist back then. This was the religious leader. This was the religious, well, the one that was in charge of the religion of Judaism. This is the one that came and attacked Jesus, verse 3. And what did he come to him with? He came to him with, your, your disciples sinned against our tradition. How oh, dare they, God forbid, they sinned against our tradition. Oh, against the law. It's a sin. But verse 3, So Jesus answers and said to him, Why do you also sin against or transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to the father or mother, uh, whatever profit you might have received from me <clears throat> is a gift to God, <clears throat> then he need not honor his father and mother, thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Remember that verse. Thus you have made the commandment of God, or you could say the ways of God, of no effect by your tradition. Just remember that verse. Keep that verse on your head. Seven, look what he called him. So, verse seven, hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you. So, they made the commandment of God, the ways of God, of no effect by their tradition. And what did Jesus call them? He called them hypocrites. Because they turned the ways of God, the commandments of God, and they made them of no matter. Yeah, yeah, we know that that happened, but oh, we gotta, gotta have our tradition. Ooh. Verse 8, Jesus says, Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you? And 7, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching us doctrines, the commandments of men. In case you missed it, that's our title for our second half of our service. Did you catch it? Verse 9, I'll read it again. And in vain they worship me. What was our title of our message? The resurrection of Jesus Christ? Yet... In vain they worship me. I'm going to highlight these verses as we go on. We're going to see, sadly, who else has changed this good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
by their traditions. So believe it or not, and you may not, but I will show you proof. Believe it or not, you won't believe it, but the, the ones that have changed this great news of Jesus Christ have actually been the majority in America of the so-called Christian churches. And those that supposedly worship God in those churches. They are the ones, believe it or not, the majority of churches in America are the ones that have, are and have been changing the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on this day, and they call it a different name. They, they call it a different name. They, they don't call it the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They call it by another word, and I, you know, you can visualize this when I say it, because we're all Americans, and everybody that's an American that's listening to this word, they call it this word, and they call it Easter. Oh, they call it this phrase Easter. And you see, it's not just that they call the day Easter or they call the service Easter. And we'll get to why that's bad in a little bit. But that's not just the only reason why it's bad. And trust me, that's enough. But another thing that they do upon calling it Easter, they focus on Easter bunnies. And they focus on Easter egg hunts instead of, or along next to, on the side of, or right along with, almost like two trains traveling along together, along with Christ. And don't believe me? Well, just not too long ago, I just went on the web, and I just started searching. Easter and churches in my area, McKinney, Texas, but I also looked in Frisco and Plano, which are kind of surrounding and playing, you know, Plano, Frisco. I also looked at churches that are around, and it doesn't take long, it won't take you long to realize as you drive your car around, if you've been driving around this week, if you're an American, you've been seeing how many signs come and worship with us on Easter Sunday. So it's, it's, it's out there. That's what advertisements in the paper, that's advertisements everywhere. Come worship with us on Easter Sunday. So just so you can tell that I did my work, my background, and I'm going to show you some things that God showed me. I actually have four different churches in this area that I'm going to highlight, and we're going to look at what they, you know, did and, and what they're doing today that is not honoring Jesus Christ as Lord. So for our first church that's in either Plano or Frisco, and I'm not going to be giving names but I will tell you that they are real churches and you can go on the web and you can go search them out for yourselves. They're, they're right there. But we have our first church and our first church on, our, on their homepage of their website. They have, and it starts out really good. Our king has risen. Let us give him praise. That sounds really great. That's what Christ is all about. That's what the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ sh should be all about. And if we just would have stopped there, we would have been okay. But you see, right along with that, we have parents. <clears throat> so this is kind of God showed me that this morning. He showed me this little detail this morning. Right along with, praise be to our King, He's risen. Come worship the Lord. We have the way that they're going to worship the Lord. Parents. Bring your children out to celebrate the resurrection story through the great story of Jesus Christ and what he did for us and how great the news is. Eh, 
through royally themed fun rides, bounce houses, live Bible storytelling, Easter egg hunt, special guest DJ, Daisy the Clown! Whoa, we got Daisy the Clown to celebrate Jesus' resurrection! Oh my gosh, how exciting! Cool snacks. It couldn't just be snacks. It had to be cool snacks. And prizes and surprises. Well, and they also have a teen Easter celebration and, and hook you in. Oh, they want to get you in so bad. Anybody new today gets a free Easter picture. They get a free Easter family portrait picture. Oh, wow. That's why I want to go to church, right? I want to go to church to get a free Easter picture. Not to worship the risen Lord Jesus Christ. I want to go to get a free Easter picture. This is a problem. This is a problem. This is terrible. This is a terrible problem. As if the good news of Christ raising from the dead is not enough. This is a problem. This is a terrible, terrible, terrible problem. It's not the good news of what Jesus did for you on the cross good enough for you. Do we need prizes? Do we need rewards? Do we need pictures? Come on, church. Wake up. Another website, local church. Oh, their main picture was awesome. Except for right along with the train. Easter celebration with a picture of three crosses. And in the very next slide on their homepage, Easter, egg, strava, aganza, in three separate words, egg, strava, aganza. And then their, their very next slide, <clears throat> the sunrise service is outside, so please dress accordingly to the weather that morning. The entire community is invited to join us as we celebrate Easter together. So I have their flyer. They gave us a flyer. And I wanted to show you the flyer. They gave you a printable flyer. And you'll, you can all see this. I'll show it to you. And again, I'll, I'll cover up the name because I don't believe it's right to, to call it the name. But I want to show you what the flyer says. And here I'll, I'll hold it up for you guys so you can all see it. There's our flyer. Okay. There's our flyer. And I want to point out some things about the flyer. This is the flyer that they gave to their church members to go hand out to Christian, their people that go to their church, in order to get them to come to their Easter celebration. And I'm just going to read it for you. The biggest writing on the pamphlet says Easter. Egg extravaganza. Now in this egg extravaganza, we got a petting zoo. We got inflatables. We got music. And we got food trucks. Oh, we got food trucks. April 19th, 3 to 5, egg hunt at 4.30. That's the largest printing and the largest material. That's the largest thing on the whole entire front of the pamphlet, as you, you could see right there. The biggest. Then it goes to worship services. Saturday, April 19th, 5 p.m., Worship Center Theater Services in Espanol. Sunday, April 20th, 645, 830, 945, 11. Details at so on and so forth. Now, I, I want to just point out something that God showed me this morning. Number one, in advertising, 
what you want to do, what the biggest thing about your promotion that you want to present to people when you're giving them out your flyer is the, big, is the thing that's the biggest on the front of the cover. So the main point of your whole thing that you're wanting to do is that the biggest, largest picture that you have on the whole entire paper that you're giving away. And did you remember what I said was the biggest thing on this whole paper here? The biggest thing that they wanted to promote was the Easter extravaganza. That was the largest part of what they wanted to promote about this event. Now, something else God showed me here. When everything I just read to you, you remember it, right? Did you just happen to hear once the name Jesus Christ? Did you just happen to hear one time the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Did you have one word on there that said, God Almighty, he's awesome. Anything about God at all. There was not one thing on this flyer about the day and what the day is really about. This day is a day when people are supposed to be coming together, real Christians are supposed to be coming together to worship the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Where in their flyer did they mention anything about Jesus? Oh, but they got in there, extravaganza! Because that's what's important to them. Not Jesus, not the resurrection, not the good news that we talked about for half this time today, but the egg extravaganza that they had to promote. Their precious Easter egg hunt. Not one mention of Jesus on the whole entire forum. Wow. Another church website said, Easter weekend. And experience the joy and hope of Easter didn't we just talk about that our joy and hope comes from Christ, the Bible says, and comes from the knowledge of Christ. But yet we have here and experienced the joy and hope of Easter and Saturday worship service and egg scramble. They stated on one page that they are currently taking donations for candy and plastic eggs. Candy and plastic eggs. And we have their flyer here too. And I'll just hold it up really quick. Not given a name. And you can see their flyer. Just four little pictures and some writing. And I'm going to read it all to you. You guys can see it right there. Just a little, little bit right there. And so our big left-hand corner here, we have, we have our, our egg scramble. All the children out there working so hard to get those wonderful, cute, little, pretty colored eggs. And, and then we've got some guys here playing some music. And then we've got some more kids here, and they're doing some more Easter stuff. And then finally, by the way, just God just showed me this just now, at the very bottom right corner, in one of the smaller pictures on the page, we, we finally have a girl at the cross. Finally. The very last image on the paper. We finally have a girl at the cross. But of course, we, we ought to have some Easter flowers under the cross, though. 
Got to have some Easter flowers under there. We're not just not just the cross and the girl, or just the cross, but we got to have the Easter flowers in there with the girl and the cross. And we got here Good Friday, a multicultural service to reflect on the crucifixion of Christ. At least this one, at least Jesus and the crucifixion and the thing, the terms of Christ are on there, at least. Praise be to God, at least that's there. But notice how Christ is shared here. Notice how Christ is shared. It's not only about Christ, it's, it's a shared experience. Saturday, worship service in promised land for children, followed by the egg scramble. Bring a basket and a camera. You get to watch your kids pick up Easter eggs. All right. All right. Because that has everything to do about Jesus, right? That has everything to do about Christ and what he did for us, right? An egg? Not quite. And then Easter Sunday, April 20th. Oh, so that one there is the, the two roads there, the two trains are going right alongside one another. Christ is there and the, the Easter bunny and the eggs and the Easter celebration, they're, they're right there too. So it's a, it's, a, it's a dual path. Number two, that's another one. Then I have one more, just one more. And I have this one here. It's a little postcard that I was just given just yesterday. And if you, in case you can't read it, it says here, The Art of Easter. The Art of Easter. That's, that's the front cover there. And on the back it says, Easter at so-and-so church. Easter experience times. Grapevine, Dallas, Park Cities, Plano, Fort Worth, Keller, Salt Lake, blah de blah de blah the name of the pastor and his wife. Additional community-wide celebration. And a good Friday in the park. Well, well this one here, not, you'd say, well, Pastor Ed, it just says the word Easter. But God showed me just yesterday or just this morning, this is another one. There's not one word on there about God again. Not one word on there about Jesus Christ. The Bible says that there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. That there's power in His name. That by His name, any that call on His name shall be saved. But, but we got an Easter, art of Easter. An Easter at so-and-so church. Easter experience times. So here we go. Easter celebration. Not a Jesus celebration. Not a, a resurrection of Jesus Christ celebration. But a Easter experience time. Oh, isn't that great? We get to go worship Easter. Because if I wasn't American and I was from another country and maybe they don't celebrate in other countries, I'm not real sure about that. I've never done my research. And I got this card and, and I never heard of the word Easter. I didn't know what it meant. I wouldn't know that this was about a God and worshiping a God and serving a God and what a God did for me, would you? I wouldn't know nothing about it. I, boy, that's a real pretty picture, though, the art of Easter. And that? that's real pretty. That's really pretty. Wow is all I have to say. So who are, we who are we supposed to worship on this day? Are we supposed to worship Easter? Or are we supposed to worship Jesus Christ? Well, by the look of these church advertisements, and you saw them all, and there's lots more, by the way. Those are just in my area. 
lots more. Sounds like they have replaced or added to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the worship you know, of his resurrection along with or right beside or above the worship of Easter and egg hunts and the pleasures of their flesh, you know, bounce houses and candies and all those wonderful things. And I'll say it again with sadness in my heart. It's really saddens me. As if the good news of what Christ did for us on the cross isn't good enough for us. We got to doctor it up. We got to make it seem better. We got we to do something to improve it. Didn't I say earlier it's the best news that you could ever get? Why in the world if it's the best news that you could ever get, why would you want to change it? I challenge one person out there listening to this sermon today to do one thing for me, please. Do one thing for me, please. Just one. Show me one time in the Holy Bible, just once, where any true man of God or woman of God ever did anything like what I just showed you in those pamphlets. Just show me one time. And guess what? It's not there. You won't be able to find it. But you can look. But you just won't find it. Church, I hate to tell you this, but it's Satanistic and demonic what, what churches are doing now. It's sickening and disturbing. And why? As I said earlier, where are the words of Jesus Christ or God Almighty in the word Easter, Easter Bunny, or Easter Eggs? How is God or Jesus Christ being exalted in these traditions at all? How is he being exalted? He's not. He's not. Did not God say in Deuteronomy 4.24, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He said of himself, I'm a jealous God. I'm a jealous God. Did not Christ Jesus say in Matthew 22, 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. What is God telling us? I want to ask you something. With a celebration of Easter and no word of Jesus Christ and no word of the resurrection and an Easter egg hunt and family pictures if you come to our Easter service and bounce houses and candy, how are people loving God and loving Jesus Christ with all their hearts and minds and souls practicing these traditions? How? Show me how. I just want to know. Show me. If you tie these things in together with number three, the biggest reason why the word Easter, why the name Easter, why the whole theme of Easter and all the related events is wrong, number three, the word Easter evolved from the name of an ancient Germanic goddess named Istori. Istori was a Germanic goddess of spring and fertility. The goddess was said to bring the warm weather every year, and so she celebrated. And so she she was celebrated on the spring equinox. She had this day before early Christians converted it to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
The bunny and eggs have a close connection to this goddess as well. Istori was the goddess of fertility. Well, fertility means that, you know, a man and a woman coming together and knowing one another and having babies. And her animal was the hare or, or rabbit, and her symbol was the egg. You know, the hare was the animal of the goddess because of how many offspring, how many kids the hare would have. And like rabbits, hares have lots of babies. And the reason the egg was her symbol for the goddess was because it symbolized rebirth. As the year is given new birth when it goes from the dead of winter to the life of spring. So that's the root of the very word that this day has been blasphemed to be called by the majority of people in this country and I don't know, maybe the majority of the people around the world. The church of today, the majority, has incorporated pagan goddess worship along with into the worship of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. It's so bad today, and I know it myself because it's even happened to me because I grew up 25 years of my life, and I didn't even know this when I first became a Christian, but it's so bad today that if you say the word Easter to people, what when I say the word Easter to you, yes, we may think of Jesus in there, but what else do we think about? We think about the fleshly-related fun events and the candy that go along with it. More than even some people do. I know they do. Either they think of that stuff even more than or equal to what Christ did by resurrecting from the dead almost 2,000 years ago. Say the word Easter to yourself and what do you think of? I had my own son this week wanting to do some kind of fun Easter candy event because that's unfortunately what the world promotes in this world today. But did not God say to us in Exodus 23 through 5, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself the carved image any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And, and you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. God says, I'm a jealous God. Did not God Almighty tell us in Exodus 34, 14, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. So the modern so-called Christian church and those that attend them have set the worship of an ancient goddess by using her name in another form and the events that surrounded her, the bunny and the eggs and the candy, the worship of an ancient goddess equal to or even above the worship of Jesus Christ and the celebration of the resurrection from the dead. By practicing these traditions, they worship God and Christ in vain, following demonic tradition instead of what the Bible says. They take what is supposed to be the total worship of Christ and his resurrection and combine it with the focus slash worship of candy and bunnies and eggs. This is shameful, church. And it is the vain worship of the Almighty God. 
And really, it's an abomination to him. Doing this is an abomination to the greatest figure in all eternity. He was, and there was none before him. He was before we ever existed. He's great. He's mighty. He's powerful. He's wonderful. He's excellent. He's, he's more than my English words or any word that you could ever come up with. He's better and stronger and more powerful than any words that we could ever say. People, church, listen to me. What do we not understand when God says, I'm a jealous God? My name is jealous and I'm a jealous God. The word jealousy means that he wants all of you, he wants all of your worship, and he wants you to share it with no one or nothing else at all. Nothing. Jealous means I want you all to myself. I want to share you with nobody. And I want all of your worship. He doesn't even want to share it with Easter, Easter eggs, bunnies, or candies. Now, you may not realize it, and I was guilty of it in the past too, but if you have ever gone to a church that called the resurrection service an Easter service, or called this day Easter, and then that same church allowed children to participate in the gathering of Easter eggs, and possibly with the Easter bunny theme, or maybe even uh, there was one church that they were giving you pictures to, with the Easter bunny, then you have supported pagan worship and with any one of these aspects present, you have worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ in vain. And I say it again, as if what Christ did for us by resurrecting from the dead was not good enough. I know that this information is probably very offensive to some listening to this message, but I, it's the truth. It's the truth. I beg you, please show me where I am wrong according to the Bible. Go to gospelsavingchurch.com, contact me, just contact page, email me, my phone number's on there, please. If you find me to be wrong according to God's word, come and talk to me and we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. I know this may be hard to hear and you may be getting angry with me, but what about the truth? And what about what's most important, guys and girls? What about what's most important? What have we been talking about here at Gospel Saving Church lately? What does God want? What does God want? Does God want us worshiping pagan goddesses? Does God want us bringing along the worship of other things along with His Son, Jesus Christ? Does God want to be worshipped with anything else? Do we have to bring other things along because isn't the good news of what Christ did for us enough to get excited about? Is the good news of what Jesus Christ did for you not good enough that we don't have to spice it up with some animals and some candy and some eggs in the name of a pagan goddess? Remember verse 3. No, I'm sorry, verse 6 in Matthew 15. 
Thus you have made the commandment of God or the ways of God of no effect by your tradition. And he blasts them further in verse 9 and says, And in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. Here's a big one for you. If Jesus Christ called these people hypocrites back then for doing this same thing that we're doing right now, by our Easter celebrations and our Easter experience weekends. What do you think he'd say of people now that are doing the same thing? They've taken his name completely off of the time of worship. They don't even mention the resurrection. They don't even mention Jesus. And if they do, they got to have him as the last one on the page. Remember that? One church website, they had to have his name on their flyer and the little cross, the symbol, the, the token, down there at the very bottom. But sure enough, we had to have the worship and the pagan worship of that goddess right along with, neck and neck. If he called them hypocrites for doing that in his day, what would he say to us today for doing the same thing? Hebrews 13, 8, for Christ and God, they don't change. They're the same yesterday and today and forever. Folks, the church is in sad shape. People is the good news of Christ raising from the dead and setting us free from sin and death. Not enough to get excited about. That we have to add into it the worship of a pagan goddess. Well, I can tell you, for me, the worship of Christ is enough. What Christ did for me on the cross is enough. I don't have to add to it because by them adding to it, what they think adding to it, they're only taking away from it. They're dumbing down that, the power and the name of Jesus Christ. And God is saying to these churches, to the church, listen to me right now, yet still in vain, you worship me. In my closing, obviously you could tell the God, that the Lord God gave me a lot of passion and a lot of power for this message today. And he's spoken a lot of truth through my lips. The question is, I have a big question for you. A lot of the church knows this, unfortunately. But they're not doing anything about it. But the question is, and as I prayed and asked God that he would send this message out to the whole world, how will the church respond to what God is saying today? How will the church of America, the church all over the world, respond to what God is saying today? But ironically, though, I've got something shocking for you. One last bit of shocking news for you. Question to you. Who do you think, what do you think, what is the church of God? What is it? Hint, it's not a building, it's not a name, it's not a playground, it's not a title. What, what is the church of God? Do you know? Think to yourself, what is the church? Just in case you don't know, here it is. The church is you. The church is is every real follower of Jesus Christ. 
If you are a follower of Christ and you abide in His Word and you are a disciple of His, then you are part of God's church. So real Christians, please listen to me. Please examine your worship of God today. Please examine your worship of God today. Did your home church worship the Lord Jesus Christ in vain today by having an Easter service with eggs and candy or candy and the bunny or pictures of the bunny and pictures of the family? Did they worship Jesus Christ in vain today? Ask yourself if they did this. How is this the 100% and total worship of our great God and mighty, jealous God and His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth? How is this kind of worship truly and 100% celebrating His resurrection from the dead? It's sadly, it's simply just not. Why is the good news of what Christ and his resurrection not why is the good news of what Christ and his resurrection is not 100% enough to get excited about for us? Why? Why do we have to have more? The celebration of Easter and its related events are worldly and, and the demonic and, and they're demonic and they're really their worship of the pagan goddess. God and Jesus Christ are jealous for you today. He wants to share His throne in your life and, his, and, and the worship that you have for Him with no one and nothing else. And what Christ did for us is more than enough for us to get excited about without us having to do anything or add anything to it. God is displeased with the majority of His church today. What is God asking of us today? What is God asking of us today? He's asking us to repent. We need to turn back to the Lord and give Him our full devotion and give Him our full worship and love Him fully and alone with nothing and nothing and no one and nothing and nothing else along with it. He's asking for your full 100% devotion with no strings attached. He wants your heart and He wants your devotion 100%. He doesn't want to share them with nobody and nothing. What needs to be done in the Old Testament when the people of the land really truly turned back to the Lord, they went and they cut down and they tore down their Asherah poles and their bowel places of worship and their temples and they, they, they tore them down they cut them down and then they burned them and then they ground them to ashes and they threw them in the river. Church, we need to burn the Easter money. We need to burn the eggs out of the church. We need to burn the word Easter out of the church completely. I also looked on the websites, and the websites all over the all over everywhere said, "Come to the McKinney, uh, uh, you know, area wide, uh, you know, Easter egg hunt." That's a worldly thing. Let the world do what the world wants to do, but the church is supposed to be sanctified to God. The church is supposed to be set apart to God. Cut down these idols, church, please. 
and turn your hearts back to the Lord and make this day and every day all about Jesus Christ and start putting Him back in the limelight and share His worship, share your worship with Him to nobody, with nobody and to no one else and hold no other tradition equal to or even above Him at all. Please, God is calling for repentance. Will you listen? Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God, for this message today. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your love for us. Lord, that you've spoken these truths, Lord God, and it's just up to us now, Lord God, whether wherever we're going to do. Lord, I pray, dear God, that we would just fall on our knees and repent of our sins, Lord God, and realize that this whole bringing Easter alongside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is just nothing but from the devil. It's nothing but from the devil, Lord God. He just wants, he just hates you, Lord God. He just hates you. Lord, he hates us too. He's our enemy. I just pray, Lord God, that you would turn your church back to you in America and that the church would cut down their Asherah poles and their Baal, their, their Baal places of worship, Lord God. And I pray that they would turn their hearts back to Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ and the one true God. Please, Heavenly Father, before it's too late, Turn the hearts of American churches and those that worship in them back to you, Lord God. Please don't let them keep worshiping in you in vain. Show them, Lord God, through this message, how displeased with them you are. In Jesus' name we pray.